Hello, this is Robin Allen interviewing Czech practitioner, Czech level four, master Czech practitioner, personal trainer, book author, ORFA, Scott Bryant, entrepreneur as well, bon vivant, raconteur, general man about town, and all, all round good egg. Uh, pop star as well, and, and a porn star. Hang on a minute, that's P A W N, not P O R. Scotty, Scotty Bryant, we're in Richmond having a nice cup of cappuccino and a caramel shortbread and we're having a bit of a chat about stuff. Scotty is a well-known holistic health practitioner and in, London. in London and surrounding areas and a lot of, what a lot of people don't know is that before he was a holistic health practitioner helping people out he was a bit of a thug i.e. a registered doorman and we thought we'd have a bit of a chat about Scotty's old days on the door cracking a few skulls Kicking a few heads in, throwing a few people out, letting a few people in, and you know, a bit of as your father and uh, bish bash bush salted geezer down by the old bull and bush. That's a nice introduction, Scotty. Was it all right? Yeah, that was perfect, mate. Perfect. I like that. <laughs> so, you was a bit of a doorman in the old days, then back in the 90s, and I believe you said earlier you even had a ponytail. Yes, I no. When I was on the doors, I was pretty bald then. I had the ponytail when I was in my early 20s. I was going to say, because the old ponytail, it's a bit of a weapon, isn't it? If they grab hold of it, you're basically toast, aren't you? Yeah, they can grab hold of your head and throw you around everywhere. So really, having a bald head on the door is the best thing is the best thing you can have because when you get hot and sweaty in a nightclub, it's harder for the fuckers to grab you. Do you have any of those ties that clip on so when they grab it, it pulls off? Yeah, yeah, that's really, that's really good because as they grab that tie, you just punch them. <laughs> so did you do any like martial arts and stuff to uh, prepare yourself for this uh, this this feat of daring do or were you just, is it just the fact that you look like a bit of a bull in a china shop I think uh, in my younger days I've done a lot of uh, you know a little bit of kickboxing but not much a lot of self defence you know I'm an only son in the family so I had to learn to stick up for myself at an early age and there was a lot of violence in the home with my stepdad so I used to beat him up on a regular basis which I thoroughly enjoyed Uh, but then I really learned that I was quite aggressive growing up but really learned how to control myself when I started up Aikido but I only done Aikido for about a year and a half but then I used to grapple and you know like I wrestled you today when we met up you know I used to grapple my friends a lot and we used to uh, do that type of wrestling and fighting and I was always good at it so a friend of mine said to me why don't you become a doorman because it's it's okay money you're a big guy you train you've always trained so you could be good at it so Scotty I know from you telling me that you had a bit of a rough childhood a lot of aggression in the household do you think that having to deal with that at a young age uh, helped you for your work on the doors in the future Oh yeah, definitely. You learn that you know to to keep control. And I read a book by Jeff Thompson before I went on the door, and it's called "The Fear the Friend of Exceptional People." And I would like, if I was in a scenario at home with a stepdad and it was going to kick off, I would hold back for as long as I could, and then I would unleash my weapons. Uh, and he would feel them weapons, but obviously. Uh, doing that when I was uh, younger I used to see red mist but then when I become a doorman you have to be controlled you have to only use uh, physical restraint at the last option but sometimes things happen 
and you have to act instantly. And some, you know, I've worked with a doorman that was 18 stone, you know, uh, six foot four, and he stood there every time a fight happened. He wouldn't get involved because his fear would, would conquer him instead of him conquering his own fear. Like to say, it's not the dog in the fight, it's the fight in the dog, innit? Woof, woof! Whee! So it looks like you had a bit of a negative upbringing, but you seem to have turned that round and used that in a positive fashion during your door work. Did you, um, what I'm trying to say is, rather than just crush a few skills, were you more of a talker? Did you try and avoid the conflicts, or were you straight in with the old fists? No, I'd never go straight in with the, um, the old fists because I'd be looking at the person's hands and face and their m- mannerisms because if, you, if somebody's rearing up at you and getting aggressive, some people you can tap on the shoulder and that adrenaline is released and they'll go into flight mode instead of fight mode. Whereas if you've got a guy that comes in, he's got a broken nose, he's got scars above his eyes, he's got a ring on every finger and he's got cauliflower ears and you know he's either a rugby player or he's a trained fighter. So I would never judge a book by its cover. Doesn't matter how big or small you are, I've had more trouble with the smallest guys than what I ever did with the biggest guys. I suppose a lot of these guys were either on drugs or drink at the time. Did you find that that really changed people's personalities for the worse? Yeah, most definitely. If people were taking cocaine and drinking alcohol, that would really change them. Or guys getting absolutely rat-assed and they think they're Rambo. When they're not, they're really fucking Bambi. So these guys, when they're really pissed up, it's really easy to get them out. But a person that's on cocaine or ketamine or something like that, it can be much harder to get them out. So that's why, you know, I've done a lot of one-man doors, but really working on a door with a team is much better, but you're only as strong as your team. So when I worked at the Hippodrome, in Leicester Square I worked with a really strong team when I worked at Heaven Nightclub there was like 25 doormen but there was only four of us that that could really have it the other guys were just pretty boys as in you know would uh, would calm the person down but when it kicked off they wouldn't be there yeah it's uh, it's not good is it when you know somebody's not got your own back so just to keep in contact with any of the guys you work with on the door or is it a life that you've left behind now uh, there's one or two, there's one who's my real close friend and there's another one who's a real close friend as well but really that dark side because I do that shamanic work and that healing now it, it doesn't really resonate with me anymore you know and if I'm out and about and there's trouble I can see it happening and I try and avoid it like the plague Cool, so you feel like the, um, the, the work on the door and reading people and being in that sort of violent situation has, has really set you up, set you up for, uh, for seeing those things in regular life. You can sort of uh, see these things a mile off and you can steer clear of them. Oh yeah, definitely. And then, you know, with the shamanic work, I, I feel a lot of energy as well. So I can go into a gym, I can go into a room or a bar or a restaurant and I can feel the energy straight away. And if the energy is not how I like, <laughs> I get up and leave and walk out of that place. Fantastic, fantastic. Anything else you want to say, Scott? Or is that we've covered enough on your uh, days as a, as a gold crusher? I would say... Uh, that what's really important is that a lot of people don't understand a doorman and they get the ump when they're not let in. It's never anything personal. We're just going from our own inner gut reaction. And if, you, if the doorman turns you down, don't take it the wrong way because he's only protecting the other people in the bar and protecting himself. 
and we can make wrong calls you know I had a guy in uh, Leicester Square he come to the bear and staff and there was 20 other guys and uh, they wanted to come in and we're not letting big groups of guys in so I said can I speak to the biggest hardest one of you and this big guy this big northerner come up it's, it's me I went well if it kicks off mate you're the one that I'm going to throw out I'm not going to throw anyone else out I'll throw you out but I'll throw you out hard if it kicks off he went, mate, don't worry, it won't happen, and it didn't happen, and I got a 50-quid tip at the end of the night, and we was all laughing and joking all night. So uh, if you're courteous to a doorman and you treat a doorman with respect, and if he's good at his job, because obviously I'd done that for seven or eight years, uh, he will give you automatic respect back. Last question, Scotty. If I was joining the art club, would you let me in? No, I fucking wouldn't, you old bastard. We don't let you in our APs. <laughs> I'm 85, you know. <laughs> no, I'm only joking, mate. Of course I let you in. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And at the end of the day, uh, when I was a doorman, I wanted everyone to have a good time. But you have to be ready for any scenario. Like when I was at the uh, famous cop tavern in Islington, uh, Galatasaray and Arsenal were in conflicts with each other this is in the early 90s and there was a stabbing on the pitch and because of that the fans went on the rampage and uh, 25 fans of each fans come into the bar I was only on one door but there was four entrances and the riot police come in just as it just exploded inside that pub and lucky enough I didn't get involved I didn't throw anyone out or be rude to anyone because I would be dead now otherwise so really anybody that slate Storman, they just don't understand the job. And if they did the job, you know, for five or six weeks, they would soon realise that it's very, very dangerous. And that's why I wouldn't do it today. Thanks, Scotty. Nice little interview there with uh, former school crusher Scott Bryant. Now holistic Czech practitioner extraordinaire, book author, ORFA. He's got two, he's got one book already out. He's got two more in the pipeline. And uh, who knows what else he might come up with. He's surprised me on a few occasions. I keep saying, you can't do that, you can't. He keeps proving me wrong. So uh, long may it continue. Uh, Say goodbye, Scott. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, and don't forget, if you want a free copy of my audio book, Holistic Health for Proper Geezers and Classy Ladies, uh, go to Active Bright Systems, leave your email, and I will send you an audio version of my uh, latest book. Mate, nobody wants a copy of your audio book, all right. Look, you can even use it as toilet paper, I don't care, as long as you give me a good review. Way, way. Bye. Bye, from me. Oh shit, I hope it carried on. Yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> this is the last one. Hello, this is Robin Allen on the No Bull Holistic Fitness Podcast with Master Czech Practitioner Scott Bryant. We're in Richmond today. He's also an author, ORFA, and he's got all sorts of things in the pipe. And an entrepreneur. What else has he got? Snake trainer. And a snake snake trainer. (laughs) He's a snake trainer as well. He's also... um, Peter Pan's lookalike. Peter Pan's lookalike, and all sorts of things like that. None of which is true, really. He's just winding you up, because he's that sort of a geezer. Scotty, you are a well-known dyslexic. Isn't that true? Yes, I am a dyslexic, yes. What is dyslexia? I can't even spell dyslexia. Why did they make the dyslexic word so hard to spell? That was going to be my next question. Can you spell it? But... No, I can't. <laughs> what is it? Well, dyslexia is a form of uh, 
different patterning in the brain. Most entrepreneurs or billionaires and about 98 uh, celebrities have some form of dyslexia. Winston Churchill, just name a few. Winston Churchill, Tom Cruise. Uh, who else is there? Scott Bryant. Scott Bryant, Steve Jobs. Uh, who else is there? A lot of them are dead, aren't they? Uh, Richard Branson's still alive, but nearly looks dead. Uh, and a few more that I can't remember their names at the moment. Go on, carry on. So basically, if you're dyslexic, Einstein. you can be... Oh, and Einstein as well, yeah. Yeah, I've got a headlight like Einstein. He was German, wasn't he? Also Einstein? Yes, he was, he was German. Uh, about he, the thing that I don't like about Einstein, I liked a lot of his philosophies, but he helped build the atomic bomb. Not good. So this guy that's full of philosophy, why would you help build the atomic bomb? It doesn't make sense to me. Maybe he was paid a lot of money. Yeah, but it's not about money if you're, you know, a mega famous man for being brilliant and discovering relativity. Good point, well presented. So what you're saying is a lot of dyslexics are very, very good at making money in their own little way. <clears throat> are you a billionaire? Uh, I am in my dreams. Have you got much bullion? Uh, yes, more than you, in silver. Can you name somebody who's got more bullion than you? Uh, no, his name escapes my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little inside joke for those that don't know what the hell we're talking about. Yes. So, Scotty, what, Barry, what... How has dyslexia affected you in your life? Do you feel that people treat you differently? I know people have, you've said to me that people think uh, they see you differently when they see you writing things and some of the spelling's not quite right. Do you get a lot of that or are people more forgiving these days? I think uh, the attitude to, to dyslexia has changed, but in my second new book that comes out later this year, I explain the, the way they assess me for dyslexia was really bad because you know you come out from the uh, dyslexia assessment that I had in Covent Garden and uh, they make you feel terrible they make you feel like you can't achieve anything like you can't do anything instead of saying you know why don't you try you know visualization why don't you try a goal setting why don't you try and if you're going to write a book do an audio book so you can speak it into the phone and then send it to the person that can help put your book together which have which I've done and what I realized one of my clients uh, was a stock boom, dot cop boom uh, billionaire, and he said he never would employ anyone with a degree. He would want his his, uh, his his staff to be dyslexic simply because they take more risks. They're willing to think outside the box and not be trapped inside the box. Good point, well presented. I suppose now with uh, with with um, a spell checker, there's no real reason to be dyslexic anymore, is there? Well, there is with the bloody iPhone because you'll you'll speak into the phone and it will think you know I might say Essex but it will spell sex. So unless you know a little bit of spelling, which I do now, uh, you can make a bit of a mistake. But the thing that I find really annoying is like on public social media, if I'm uh, comment on a post, the first thing they say, the first insult is, oh, you can't read or write, or your spelling is terrible. Uh, whereas if you're disabled and you was in a wheelchair, you wouldn't go up to somebody and say, Oi, cripple, you're in a wheelchair, because it would be rude. So why would you do that with somebody that, that has dyslexia? Yeah, good point, well presented. It's just uh, something you're not very good at, and you don't want people pointing it out that you can't spell for shit. I mean, it's like, uh, duh. But then, has it really affected you in your job? Because your job really doesn't 
depend on you being able to spell very well, does it? You're helping people out health-wise. Well, the thing is, because I do a lot of my uh, like paperwork at home, I can use uh, you know the iPhone and spell checker and stuff like that, and I'm not an, under a huge amount of pressure in which to do that paperwork. So I found, and this is what I cover in the new book, is that with a dyslexic, the more relaxed they are, and the more that they've eaten and slept well, the more easier it is to do the paperwork. And uh, I've got a friend of mine, and he's a police officer now, and he said they've even got dyslexics in the police, which I thought was amazing. Blimey. What next? I know that, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that when you, before you take a client on, you like to meet them personally. Do you find that a lot of people, they, you may send them an email to set up the, uh, the meeting, and uh, they might pick up on that your spelling ain't that brilliant. Do you find that once they've met you, they, they seem to overlook that and they think, well, actually, he's a, he's a good guy? And do you find that the meeting the, meet the person uh, in the flesh uh, overcomes that initial doubt that initial doubt they might have when they see that your, uh, your, your, your spelling isn't that brilliant? Yeah, I think, yeah, that seeing somebody face-to-face really makes a huge difference. And uh, one of my long-term clients said, Scott, you know, always do things face-to-face because you're brilliant face-to-face and you can really express yourself much better than rather doing a long-winded email. So the email or the call is normally, uh, yes, I can help you, let's meet as soon as possible. Yeah. I've noticed on your, um, on your YouTube uh, uh, videos you do, when you try and get too scientific with facts and figures and numbers and, and things, you seem less fluent, yet when you talk about your old days on the door and you don't have a script, you're much more fluent. It's much more entertaining for me because it seems like you're, you're more coming from your right brain, which is more uh, sort of, how would we say, less logical, less less mathematical. It's more just, just naturally you. Yeah, yeah, I think you're 100% right. I, I try and play to my strengths as much as I can. And then the other thing is, is that I'm not bogged down by science. All I want to use is what works. And obviously over a 20 year period, I've found what works and that's all I use really. I'm not really worried about, oh, this scientific paper says that, that scientific paper says this, because a lot of it is bought and paid for and a lot of it is uh, just to market a product. So I always go by personal experience and really find what works for my client or for myself. Yeah, nice one, nice one. Have you got any advice for any dyslexic who might be struggling with uh, with people's perceptions of them and their own uh, self-worth is maybe, maybe being undermined by the fact that they can't spell very well? I think that, you know, with today's technology of, of the Apple computer and the iPhone, uh, you know, you can use them tools to overcome dyslexia in a certain way of that you could do a recorded message to somebody instead of typing it up or you could talk the message into the phone and the phone automatically does this and my first book and my second book was exactly done with the iPhone and me talking into the phone and then sending it to an editor to put the commas and full stops in and then speaking over the phone on how to do it and what I would say to all dyslexics out there is don't let anything stop you and this is what my philosophy have always been. And then when I've worked with people, say, when I had to write uh, a security report because uh, there was a big uh, punch-up or somebody got injured or there was a fire or something like that, there's always people that are willing to help you as long as you're honest with people and you don't lie to them. So as soon as I meet my client and they say, oh, your spelling was a bit bad, I tell them that I'm dyslexic. I'm not ashamed of it 
because it, it, it's enhanced my life. It's not been a hindrance to my life. And uh, if you look at Muhammad Ali, he couldn't read or write. The most famous boxer in the world. I rest my case. Not half. While we're on boxing and, and Ali, Tyson V Fury. Uh, Can you spell it? No, I can't spell it. But I would say that Tyson V Fury, I don't think Tyson, I don't think Fury would have a chance. I can't believe that you just said that. Why? You think Tyson would beat Fury? Yeah. Do you know why? Why? Because he was trained by Costamados, and Costamados, before he died, was the best boxing trainer of all time. Yeah? Yeah, and you think of his ferociousness, and when he got in the ring, when he was in his 20s, most people were scared before they even got in the ring to fight him. So he'd already won the fighting game. What about if they fought now? If they fought now, I don't know, because I've seen uh, YouTube videos of Tyson doing some sparring, and it was very impressive. So, uh, but saying that Tyson Fury's, you know, six foot nine, what, 20 stone? Mike Tyson's 15 stone, 5'11", nearly 60. So is he going to be as fast? I'm not too sure. I I think if it was a one-round jobby, then maybe Tyson would win. But then if you look at when George Foreman, he fought in his late 50s, didn't uh, didn't, didn't he? And still won the heavyweight title of the world. Spent most of his time leaning on people. Yeah, and uh, and, uh, leaning on them and talking about his George Foreman. His his grill. Yeah, his George Foreman grill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cheers for that, Scotty. So there you go. There's hope for you dyslexics after all. Any dyslexics want to speak to Scotty, just give him a ring on whatever number he's got, which is whatever it is on his website. You didn't have any problems with that, did you? No, and uh, if you are a genuine dyslexic, when my new book comes out, you'll get a free copy. Way, and that'll be an audio copy. Yes, definitely an audio copy. Uh, That's the other thing with, uh, you know, if you're dyslexic and you say you want to read uh, 52 books, no. How many weeks in the year is there? 52? 52. Right, so 52 weeks in the year. So if you wanted to read a book a week, listen to an audio book. You don't have to read the book and then do what I do. Like I've got a thousand books indoors now. And what I do is I look down the index in the book and I look at the subject that I want to study or learn. I just read that. Then I put the book away because the book's read. Why do I want to read all the other fucking junk that's in there that is not really going to add value to my life, to my clients or to my business? Well, well done. Say goodbye, Scott. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, and if you'd like a free copy of my holistic health book, please uh, go to Active Bryant Systems. I will send you an audio copy. I've only got 10 left. So you need to be fast if you'd like to get a copy of Holistic Health for Proper Geezers, Classy Ladies, Get the Body and Fitness You Want by Scott Bryant. And obviously you can go to my website. It's very, it's very in-depth or go to my YouTube, Active Bryant Systems. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's brilliant.